Welcome to the Mary D Show. I'm your host, Mary D, here to be your guide as we extract wisdom and life lessons from thought leaders, artists, spiritual luminaries, and wellness experts. In 2018, I healed from breast cancer without the use of chemotherapy or pharmaceuticals. I love biohacking and plant medicine and what it means to be in relationship with spirit so that we can feel whole and complete. I wanna sprinkle you with some hope dust, tickle your funny bone and inspire you to find your inner roar. Get ready to live your most aligned, purposeful and joy-filled life now. Hello, my loves. It's October, or as some would say, Pinktober. I say that because this month is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, in case you didn't know. And that is the time when everyone slaps pink on everything and tells you to be aware of breast cancer. I'm not poo-pooing that, but I am poo-pooing the fact that just because someone slaps pink on something doesn't mean that they're actually trying to be part of the solution. So give or beware and know where it is your money is actually going. If you didn't know this already, I am a breast cancer survivor. I've been cancer free for six years now, and it's been a crazy ride. I'm on the other side of most of the hardest parts of breast cancer and that journey, which for me personally was in the first couple of years. So from getting the diagnosis to having surgery and then dealing with the next couple of years of wondering if the cancer has come back because I've had a headache for five minutes on a Tuesday afternoon. I think it's important to share with you what that was like and also to give you lots of hope so that you know that there is survivorship on the other side, that it's possible. One in every eight women and one in every 833 men will be diagnosed with breast cancer in their lifetime. This means that it's highly likely that you will know someone who is going through cancer or caring for someone with cancer, specifically breast cancer, and you could also be one of those two people. One thing I know now that I didn't know before my diagnosis is that cancer does not have to be a death sentence, and also that cancer doesn't care. It doesn't care if you eat healthy. It doesn't care if you eat sugar all the time. It doesn't care if you work out all the time. It doesn't care if you don't work out at all. It is no respecter of persons in that sense. It can actually be a beautiful catalyst for rebirth, whether you have a terminal diagnosis or not. And we're going to talk about that today because I want to talk about what it means to heal from cancer. And quite frankly, anything that you feel is life-threatening or even giving you the feeling that death is on your doorstep. And when I'm having this conversation with you, what I wanna ask you to also know is that I'm not just talking about the physical. There's the medical condition of cancer, but also where are there things in your life that show up that you could call a cancer? Are there gossip and rumors that defame who you are? Are there people in your life that are dragging you down? Have the struggles of life gotten you down and you feel like there's no end in sight? Well, I wanna give you some tools today that I hope comfort you and give you a flashlight a flashlight to find the light in the dark. So let me start with my breast cancer story. Back in 2017, during the holidays, I bent over to do a yoga pose and I was standing there in down dog. I went to pick off a random piece of string that was on my shirt and I felt it. I felt a grape-like circular thing just under my skin to the left of my nipple. I was 40 years old and I had stage two, grade two breast cancer. 
also referred to as invasive ductal carcinoma. It was both estrogen and progesterone positive, which means that those two hormones were actually feeding the cancer. The next few months for me were a whirlwind of more doctor's appointments than I had in my entire 40-year lifespan up until that point. If you don't know this about breast cancers, they get staged, which usually indicates the size of the cancer. And then they also get a grade and it's graded on how fast it's growing. So a one would be slow growing, two is sort of in the middle, and then three means it's growing really fast. And one of the magical parts of my story is that once I had my surgery, which I ended up having a double mastectomy, they recategorized the cancer to stage one, grade three. So stage one, because the cancer had shrunk, and then stage three, because they say it was fast growing. Now, I'm no doctor, but I'm also not sure how a cancer is fast growing if it's shrinking. I'm also not the pharmaceutical company who made some of these tests. So I'm not going to try and explain that since at the end of the day, there's no more cancer in my body. And that's what actually counts. Some of you might say, wait, Mary, how did your tumor shrink? And what I would tell you is that I believe it's because I had a couple of root canals in my mouth cleaned up by my holistic dentist. And when he did that, I believe he cleared out the breast meridians, which are the energy lines of the body. And they're related to those root canal teeth and my right breast. It was literally 10 days before my double mastectomy that I had dental work done. And three days later, after having the work done, I couldn't even feel the tumor anymore. In the holistic world, many practitioners will tell you that the teeth or in the mouth is where a lot of disease starts. And the numbers are pretty crazy. Around 98% of women who have a root canal and get cancer get it on the same side of the body. So for me, it was my two teeth on the right and the breast cancer was in a straight line to the right breast. And if that's all strange to you or you're like, where do I find more information on that? You can look up tooth chart meridian. You can Google that. You can also look up holistic dentistry and you're gonna see more information on the studies around it and the correlations. And you can also see if there's anything happening in your mouth right now or if you've been told you need a root canal I really encourage you to go and look at a tooth meridian chart, and that will often tell you if there's a certain organ that's related to that tooth. So for me, it was calling my dentist actually when I got my cancer diagnosis and saying, hey, I just got diagnosed with breast cancer. And she pulled up the chart and she said to me, I see, I noticed that it's both your teeth that happen to be in the right breast meridian. And so you know, because it's two teeth, the chance of recurrence is high. So that also helped me drive my decision towards a double mastectomy. And I'll tell you more about that here in a little bit. So at the end of the day, if you do ask me why or how I healed from cancer, I believe it was because partly I listened to my intuition. You can throw some luck in there. And probably the biggest part of it is that I really believe that God's got my back and that this experience happened for me and that it was something that I was supposed to live through and journey through so that I could be here today and sit here and share the story with you and hopefully encourage you and give you some insights and maybe some perspectives and give you some things to think about. I've learned so many beautiful lessons from getting breast cancer. And I know that it's part of my journey. And again, I really hope that what I share with you today encourages you. And the first encouragement that I'll give you is I hope that you will go and know your normal. When I say that, I'm referring to actually the last show 
where I interviewed Bree, who is one of the founders at thebreasties.org. And that's one of her biggest messages for you at the end of the show, which is know your normal and check yourself because it only takes a few minutes to actually check yourself every month. 40% of people who detect breast cancer detect it because they were the ones actively looking for changes to their body and went and got it taken care of. And early detection is the best way to save a life. Right now it is in this day and time. So until there's more medicine out there, early detection is part of that. Now, what you want to do is around the same time every month, you want to feel your body, you want to touch your body, you want to be with your body so that you know when something is not normal. I had really lumpy breasts and I had big breasts. I was a double D and I would tell you that my breasts feel the same all the time. They're lumpy and it's lumpy all over. But when I bent over to do that yoga pose that day, I did find that little spot that felt like a grape and I knew it was not my normal lumpiness. I knew it was a different kind of lump. And you have to remember, like I hadn't had a mammogram. I hadn't had an ultrasound. I hadn't had any of those things. I was barely knocking on 40. And it was really interesting to think, wow, if I hadn't found this, what could have happened? Would have gotten worse? There's so many like what ifs that ran through my head at the time. And it's easy to what if yourself. So don't do that. Instead, reach over, check yourself every month at the same time. And all you need is a hand. So use yours or go borrow someone else's hand because someone out there will fill it for you if you don't want to. I remember the day the radiologist told me that he saw breast cancer in my ultrasound, I was really shocked. I was really surprised. And I remember thinking, man, are you sure? Like, I almost didn't believe him. I felt like he hadn't really gotten in there yet. So how did he know? He's just looking at specs on his, a black and white screen for that matter. Hey, buddy, maybe I, you know, swallowed a quarter as a kid and that's what you're seeing right now. <laughs> Within a couple of days, they did biopsy it. And then, of course, it came back to confirm. And then a couple of weeks later, the doctor said, hey, we're ready for you to come on in and we're going to tell you what this is. I go in for my appointment and I remember it so vividly because I really, I got along with that doctor. Her and I, we were great. She was young. She had done all her studying in California. So we had that in common. And we were jiving, you know, on all kinds of levels. But at the same time, I start asking questions like, hey, are the drugs that you're suggesting I go on after surgery, are they dangerous in my body in other ways? Like, am I poisoning my kidneys? Am I poisoning my liver or giving myself another health problem down the line? And also, how necessary are these drugs? So I'm asking her some of these questions, and she's actually having a rough time answering them because I think people are often so scared or in shock when they're coming in for this information that they're not always fully conscious of what's happening. Like, it's you're literally in trauma when you're getting these diagnoses. And I think the doctor is just used to running through their presentation. So this is a heavy diagnosis. And if you've ever had any kind of medical scare, you know that it can be incredibly scary and you know it can be terrifying. So with that diagnosis that I got that day, I really let it sit with me. And the first thing that came to my spirit was, I don't think this is the doctor for me. And I went and got another opinion. She did struggle to answer my questions around drug toxicity. That tells me her and I are probably not on the same page if she can't answer that basic question. And then number two, it just didn't feel right in my soul. And number three, all I can say is thank you. Thank you, doctor, for this information, because 
I am now empowered with some options, leaving this office and knowing what this cancer is. I also called pretty much every holistic center that is available throughout the world to ask those doctors questions and share my diagnosis and ask them for their advice. And between that information from holistic doctors to the information I was receiving from our Western medical doctors, I actually had to wait two whole weeks before I ever got my original diagnosis. And I will tell you that in those moments of stillness, and I had to get still with myself a lot, I had to ask myself, what if this cancer is the end of me? What if it's marking the end of my life right now? What do I want that to look like? And also, what if it's the other side of things? What if this cancer is just a stop along the road? What if it's just a bump in this journey called life? And with all of these things swimming in my head, what I came up with is to go back to my North Star, which is to go back to my values. And you guys hear me talk about alignment and values all the time. And this is where I really lived it when it came to my health. And when I say really lived it, I mean that I had to look at my own values ladder and say, what is actually important to me? For me, freedom is at the very top of my list. And with the cancer diagnosis, I said from looking at my values and what I feel aligned with and also what I'm feeling in my spirit, I was aligned with my choice is quality. I'm choosing quality of life. Now, I don't know if quantity is in my field of control. I hope so, but I feel like quality is something I have a bigger decision factor around than, say, the quantity of life, right? Because we don't know the day, we don't know the time. There's things like accidents, but also I could grow old. It's what I'm hoping for. So, you know, how can I steer my life in the direction of quality in the hopes that quantity is going to come with it? And what I found is that for me, choosing quality every time is going to be my North Star. It's going to fall in line with my values. So every decision is going to be driven by quality. And that really helped me move forward in my decision, my decision to have a double mastectomy. They did take out both of my breasts. And I want to explain this to you for those of you that aren't familiar with it. But if you think of a breast like a cantaloupe, the outside is like your skin. And the inside meat is your breast tissue and your fat, and it's the mammary glands, it's, it's all the things. And then, of course, we have the tumor in there, which you can say is like the seeds of the cantaloupe. So in a double mastectomy, they go into each breast and they basically carve out all of the cantaloupe and all the seeds. They take out everything, and all you're left with is a shell. Now, unlike a wonderful cantaloupe shell that usually stays nice and round, that unfortunately does not happen with human skin. And so the doctor goes in and reconstructs the breast to try and mimic what was there before. So I was fortunate enough to have a double mastectomy. And then that surgeon left, tag team the plastic surgeon who came in right after her and reconstructed my breast in one big eight-hour surgery. She sewed little stitches on the inside to create the roundness that a breast has and to hold the implant into place. And with that, I woke up from surgery looking down and I was like, oh, I still have boobs. They were wrapped really tight in this saran wrap-like material. And of course, everyone was saying, congratulations. And then a couple of times, I even had a nurse introducing the next nurse on staff to say, hey, you got to see these. These look pretty good. And it was funny to me because they were actually treating it like it was a boob job. And I'll tell you that from being in a wonderful community full of brilliant women at the Breasties, who unfortunately are in the same club as me, and we say worst club, best members. 
that most of us would feel like that is a really offensive thing to say. Because unfortunately, it is not like a boob job. Not at all. With the boob job, you get to keep your muscle tissue, you get to keep your fat, you get to keep your mammary glands, and they're just adding. They're really not taking away, especially taking away everything completely. My breasts were basically amputated off. And if that reconstruction and the stitches didn't exist, my foobs would be in my back, number one. And so foobs, for those of you that didn't catch that, foobs is for fake boobs. The reconstruction is what actually keeps it all looking as real as possible, like they were my natural breasts. For me at 40, I actually had very heavy breasts, always had big boobs, so mine were already aging and I had stretch marks. So I imagine if I had had a breast lift later in life that this might be what it looked like. So I'm thankful to my plastic surgeon, Dr. Danielle LeBlanc out of Fort Worth, Texas. If you need reconstructive surgery, she is the best. She is award-winning, and I can only thank my lucky stars that I got paired with her. She is literally the only doctor from day one that I actually kept, meaning everyone else got the boot because I was getting second and third opinions. And if things didn't feel right, I did not stick with that doctor. And she's the only one that I never had a second guess about. To this day, I can tell you I'm happy and satisfied with the work that she's done. And honestly, her patient care, her level of patient care and compassion, super high. She explained everything to me. She explained not just what was going to happen and what my options were, but what the aftercare was like. And I think that is a really important thing to point out is not just what's happening, going to happen right now, but what can I expect in the future? And this is so important during the process. If your doctor isn't doing that for you, then advocate for yourself. Ask for it from a patient advocate. Those exist in case you didn't know that. Or go find yourself another doctor. Go get another opinion. So just know that I get it. I totally get it. And I see you when you're going through these really difficult times and difficult situations. I still remember that it felt so heavy, like the world was coming down on me in that moment. But that doctor, Dr. LeBlanc, she gave me so much peace of mind and she really explained my options. And I think that's the other thing that is really, really important in this journey so that you can really understand what is available to you. And also, a lot of times, a surgeon may tell you what they think should happen to you, but they're telling you what they're good at or what their specialty is. They're not necessarily telling you that there are also five other choices that you have or five other ways that it can be. So always ask that question, what are my other choices? One of the things that she had said to me was that if I only did one breast, that one, they would not age the same. So probably at some point I would come back to have a reconstruction on the currently healthy breast because they just wouldn't be in any kind of alignment, which that's just aesthetic. So I get that. The other one was that if I kept one breast, then I would be coming back every six months for a mammogram. And that did not sit well with me because you have to remember that goes back to my quality of life. And I know that radiating a good breast over and over and over again is also not a great idea, especially when you've already had breast cancer once. So the other choice that I made after surgery was with my oncologist. And I say I made this choice with my oncologist. I actually made this on my own <laughs> based on the information she gave me. And that was to actually not do chemotherapy. At the time, she suggested I do this three-drug chemo 
It was going to last six months. I was going to need to go three, four days a week. And at the time, I lived far. I lived almost an hour outside of downtown. And that was another like moment of not just the going back and forth, because that definitely eating up my time just driving doesn't align with my values. I've worked from home since I was like 20 for a reason. It also meant that what is chemotherapy ultimately going to do to my body? What do I know about my body? And if I tell you what I know, it's that I know my body wants to be well. I know that I'm hardly ever sick and that there's probably a reason for that. I also think my body is going to fight the chemotherapy because my body is going to say, what is this poison doing in here? And I know that it's going to break down my body afterwards to a point where it's immunocompromised when it once was not. And I don't know if that's reversible. Now, I am not saying that you need to make that decision, but for me, that was the right decision. There's many kinds of cancers. There's many kinds of breast cancers. All breast cancer is not created equal. And for me, that was the risk I was willing to take. Because when I got my scores at the end of the day, coming out of surgery, that oncologist, she could not look me in the eye and say to me that indefinitely chemotherapy was going to make my life better, or that it was going to keep me healed, or that it was going to take away cancer. What she said to me is that there is a 50-50 chance. So she's got a 50-50 chance with her toxic drugs, and I have a 50-50 chance with nature and love and going within and going with natural therapies, all the other wonderful things that can also either supplement what you're going through or be a treatment if you choose it. And for me, choosing holistic treatment was what I felt like was best for my body. And six years later, I'm here to tell you that that's been true for me. And I so appreciate it. Not to say that chemotherapy can't be helpful because there are definitely times where it can be and studies are positive in actually the way of chemotherapy, but that wasn't what I had. And this is why I also say you have to make the choice for yourself. Do what brings you peace. So I'm going to give you what you came for, which is how to heal from cancer. And the first one is that healing is an inside job. It's a job that you commit to doing every single day for the rest of your life. And when I say it's something you commit to doing every single day for the rest of your life, I mean that you wake up and your mindset has to be in order. It needs to be conscious and aware and mindful of every thought. When I was going through it, just the thoughts of death, oh my gosh, the end of my life, what is my family going to do? How are my friends going to feel? What's this going to be like? Wow, do I get to plan my own funeral? You know, it can get really dark. And so you have to be able to bring yourself back to a place of peace. So what brings you peace? And only you know what brings you peace. And you do that by looking within. And that might be meditation. It might mean prayer. It might be watching Joel Osteen on repeat. It might be watching Dave Chappelle on repeat. So you have to find those things that bring you peace and bring you joy because that healing really does come from the inside out. And so much of it is fueled by the chatter that happens right here between your ears. So just know that filling your life with good things, good TV, good movies, good books, good encouragement, the people who love and encourage you, that's the first step to healing from the joy that cancer will try and rob from you. Number two is that support is crucial. Find the people who love you and make you feel good, the people who make you feel at home, the people who make you feel seen and heard, because this is an unending journey. 
And it's unending because the chances of recurrence, they loom afterwards. There is a high chance of recurrence within the first two and five and 10 years. They say you're off the hook after that, not necessarily true. And that's why it's looming. Okay, and it's also another reason I chose the double mastectomies because I didn't want to have to deal with a possible recurrence because if breast cancer is floating around my body, wants to latch on to some more breast tissue, then it's probably going to set itself in the second breast. And I didn't want to have to mess with that. So that was also in my mind. Again, aesthetically, they're going to heal on the same timeline. That sounds like a plus. So support in this, in whatever your choice is, really critical. I talked about my doctor. I've talked about how supportive she was and amazing she was. And that's because she was informative and she still is to this day. Fortunately, I don't have to see her as often as I used to other than just a little check-in every few years to make sure the implants are still good and, you know, to make sure my well-being is in order. But anytime I feel a little uncomfortable about something in my body or if I feel like something's going on, if I feel a spot, she's the one I call. She puts in that order right away and I go get a scan and we see if anything's wrong. And so far we've seen nothing and that's what we want to keep seeing. (laughs) So go get support. Support from the people that you love. And if there are people who surround you that aren't supportive in some way, meaning maybe they're not being as serious about your mental health or they're taking it lightly or they still expect or demand the same level of availability from you that you've been giving them and you just don't have it, it's really important to be able to voice that and to take a break. If you need the break, take the break. You can take the break from those people if you got a diagnosis and you're in that situation, you have full permission, full permission to pull out that card and say, not today, not today, devil. And sometimes that devil is another person, unfortunately. So get the support that you need. It is never a bad thing to rest when you know you need rest, no matter what you're going through. And if you're like Mary, I don't have any family or friends that I think I can depend on or any that are supportive. I don't feel like I can share this with anyone. Oh, my friend, I want to encourage you. Please don't do this by yourself. For five seconds, I thought about not telling anyone. I was like, I'm strong. Maybe I'll just, you know, do this in the background. But don't do it. Really, don't do it. I remember being on a podcast with the host and I'm sharing my breast cancer story. And she actually ended up on her own show coming out and saying that she had had breast cancer like 20 years ago and hadn't ever shared it with anyone. And I'm like, wow, we're on your show right now and you're sharing it for the very first time. And she's like, yeah, I'm hearing you share it. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I thought I had to keep that thing kind of a secret. And I'm like, oh no, this is the time to pull out all the support because what it showed me is that I don't have to do it by myself. I let the people that I'm so used to supporting show up and support me. And it was a gift for them to be able to show me support. And it taught me how to receive better. And how beautiful it is to actually be on the receiving end when you're used to being the one who's giving all the time. Receiving is a beautiful way to accept the gifts of love and support that we can have from other people. And support's, again, really crucial. One of the resources I found just after the fact, maybe like six months after my surgery, was the breasties. And you guys hear me talk about the breasties all the time. It's T-H-E-B-R-E-A-S-T-I-E-S dot org. I was supported and now I actually get to be part of this nonprofit that supports women who you'll find many of them are actually much younger than even 40. A lot of them have what's called the BRCA gene. You may have heard of it. Angelina Jolie discovered she had it years ago in her genes 
and she ended up getting a preventative mastectomy. So this means before she even got diagnosed with any kind of cancer, she went ahead and had surgery in hopes of preventing a breast cancer from ever showing up. And it was very controversial at the time. A lot of people would say, why would you take perfectly healthy breasts and cut them out? Well, you would do that because for her and the gene that she had, her chances of getting cancer in her future were almost 90%. It's very high for that particular gene. It's not like a fat gene, which I know you hear a lot of people say, oh, if your family is fat, doesn't mean you have to be fat. Doesn't work that way with the BRCA gene. You're actually likely to pass it on to your children by 50%. So it's another you know, reason to, to get tested. So you know. The chances of breast cancer are already high, but not just breast cancer for those that have the BRCA gene, but possibly ovarian cancer as well. So you're talking about a very high percentage of not just one cancer, but two. And with that, that's where I got to give a big shout to Paige Moore. She is the one that actually had the original vision for the breasties because she knew she had it in her family and she carried the gene herself. She got the nonprofit going and brought in founders. And now the breasties is what it is today, which is a beautiful nonprofit that supports a community of not just the people who are going through cancer, but those who might have cancer in their family or who have a cancer gene mutation or even a caregiver. And I'm really, really proud of this organization and super honored to be the chair of their board and to be able to give back in this way. I do believe it's one of the upsides, the silver linings that came out of this experience. So if you are looking for a place to put your dollars today, your donation dollars, or if you want to look at sponsorships for something like the Next Camp Breasty, we do that with almost 500 women every single summer, then please reach out. We'll gladly get you connected to the Breasties and let you do some good there. You can check the show notes for the link or just go to thebreasties.org to give or to get support. So number one, healing is an inside job. Number two, support is crucial. And number three, the cure, the real medicine, it's self-love. Every time that you start to judge yourself, and this can be condemning thoughts like, I ate too much processed food, or whatever you're blaming yourself for, or you don't forgive someone, all the thoughts that go through your mind, whatever shame is happening and you're guilting yourself into the unanswerable question of how did I get this thing? Then there's also the post-cancer guilt and chatter, which is like, oh, wow, now I'm better, but someone else I know and love has cancer. Why am I alive? You know, why do I get to live? We call that survivor's guilt. And trust me, there's so many ways that our mind likes to throw these things at us. And we have to reel it back to the fact that healing is that inside job. So we get help by getting support that we need from our friends, our family, the people we love, our community. And remember that ultimately the cure is self-love. It's our opportunity to forgive ourselves for not being perfect and for being human. And I don't think that God put delicious food like chocolate cake on the earth for us not to eat it. Should we be eating it every day? Probably not. And at the same time, don't go overboard. You have a beautiful opportunity to reset if you think it was because of something you ate. If you thought it was McDonald's, because you went there every day and had an eight pack of McNuggets or whatever the order is, then you can choose not to eat McDonald's anymore. And that's it. If you want to be right, that's how you can be right. So anyway, back to shame, guilt, all the things that you might be judging yourself for. I really encourage you to look at yourself with lots and lots of compassion, lots of self-compassion. This is where you get to be human and you don't have to be perfect. 
if you're well, then encourage the next person who is on their journey right behind you. Or if that's not the case for you, if you're like, no, Mary, I'm sitting here with a terminal diagnosis or something that is life ending, then you know what? See the beauty in the time you have left. This is such a wonderful opportunity to reflect, to take care of any unfinished business if you want to. I think that this life is like a scavenger hunt. We have to find it. We have to find life. We have to find the thing that we need to learn or experience. And if you can't find it, maybe it's just a beautiful time to receive support and love from those that are around you and to know that you're truly loved and that we all have a timeline in this world and in this lifetime. And although we don't always know what it is, what we do get is the choice to wake up every day and decide what we're going to do with that day. And I know that some days are extra hard and that means maybe it's a day of rest. And then there are other days that we have the energy to do, to go, to see, to love. Find the love and the madness and do that with every breath that you have left. So with that, I want to, again, encourage you to greet yourself with lots of compassion because it's worth it. And the self-love that you get from yourself is one of the greatest loves you'll experience in your life. That self-love, it is the core of the cure. So number one, healing is an inside job. Commit to those things that make you feel good and lift up your soul. Number two, get the support that you need. Surround yourself with the people, the friends, the family, and the community that can support you. If any of you are feeling like you don't have support and you also want more resources, the Breasties also donates a portion of our proceeds every year to Stage 4 Research. And just know, if you go to the Breasties, we also have an app. We can connect you with other Breasties in your area with the same diagnosis. There's lots and lots of folks on there who are ready and willing to connect with you. Also, you're going to see thebreasties.org down in the show notes, so you can click there easily. Please go there, get connected, get into the app, meet other survivors, previvors, thrivers, stage four, caregivers, anyone for any reason that you want to be in the community. They're there with open arms to support you. There's virtual meetings they do every month as well as lives throughout the year, Camp Breasty in the summer. It's a really amazing community. So if you don't have your own, please come see us and feel supported if you or a loved one are going through a breast cancer or ovarian cancer diagnosis. And last but not least, the third part of the cure, as I said, is self-love. And that's treating yourself with that compassion, that forgiveness, knowing that every day is a journey and you ultimately have the ball in your court. So you can either choose to dread over everything that's going on and complain about it, which is totally your right, you are validated in all your gripes and complaints because anytime we get any kind of medical diagnosis like that, it's trash. Ah, but it's also in your power and your ownership of your life to wake up with some gratitude and to wake up understanding that this is the cycle of life. We have our ups and we have our downs and we don't always know where those ups and downs are going to land. And there is an endpoint in this human experience. And even then, I'd say not even an endpoint, you guys. There's a transitionary period. And the reason it feels so scary is because we're just not completely clear on what that transition looks like. But if you look at people who have had near-death experiences or those who work with end-of-life patients, you will hear so many amazing stories about joy and 
knowing that there was something better and that the transition was actually really beautiful. And so choose what you want to believe here. I know for me, I am choosing that there is something really beautiful in that transition that all of this experience here as humans is to enlighten us even more towards that next journey. We're energy. We don't stop. We keep going. And maybe we get to go to a place called heaven. Maybe we get to become a beautiful galaxy. Maybe you get to keep going, I don't know, being reincarnated as a tree. There are so many philosophies and beliefs around all the things that happen after we exit our human body. What are your thoughts that shape your beliefs about life after this human experience? Because whatever it is that you believe, you might be right. So choose wisely. It was my pleasure and honor to share my story with you today. And I hope that you found encouragement in it and maybe some education, maybe some perspective shift. And most of all, I hope that the three tips that I gave you were really helpful for you and that they are the cure for almost anything that ails you, whether it's cancer or something else. If you've not been over to the show on YouTube, it is over there now at youtube.com forward slash at the Mary D show. And next season, you can actually catch me on Spotify TV. Yep, we're taking it to television, friends, and we'll be airing live every week, taking live questions. And stay tuned, and we'll release all the details on social as well as here on the podcast. With that, tune in next week for a new episode. And until then, may abundance always walk beside you, may joy always go before you, and may love always guide you on your path. And don't forget to check yourself so that you know you're normal. Thank you for joining us on today's show. I hope that today's session inspires you to live an aligned life where you get to take complete ownership of your feelings and decisions to live in your truth. You can connect with me more at www.maryd.com. You can also catch us on YouTube at The Mary D Show. Head on over to Instagram and Facebook and type in at The Mary D and just look for the little blue check to ensure you're on my official page.